author of John's Gospel also wrote three other letters, three letters in the New Testament, one of which is part of our epistle this morning. In his first and best known letter, which is this first epistle, John gives the well-known phrase that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. This morning, I offer suggestions about how to best read the Gospel of John in a way that can help deepen the spiritual life. I will center around the message of love casting out fear. No doubt, John had many, as many things to fear in his own life as anybody today, from political instability in the governance of the country, in his case, the Roman Empire, as well as wars and brutality. And all that is on top of plain, everyday, general anxiety. To be a human being is to know fear and anxiety. John's gospel seeks to deepen the spiritual life by teaching in one passage after another that to know Jesus is to know a perfect love that casts out any fear. There is more to the teaching in this gospel, but today I focus on this one. The readings for the second Sunday of Easter offer an illustration. It's a familiar story. The disciple Thomas doubts the other disciples after they tell him of their initial encounter with the Lord. All the followers have just lost their beloved teacher and are cower cowering in fear. They have, he says, locked themselves away for fear of the Jews. Thomas doubts their story about his resurrection, but his fears dissolve when he touches Jesus' wounds. His faith and courage restored, Thomas exclaims, my Lord, my God. John is taking Jesus' followers on a journey of discovery of the deepest mystical connection with God and with God's love. On that journey, Jesus is perfect love. Jesus is love completed, fulfilled, perfected, and divine. Touching Jesus, as Thomas has done, is not just foreshadowing later Christian doctrine. Touching Jesus is about driving out the fears that had paralyzed Thomas. The Thomas story, when seen within the context of the whole of John's Gospel and his letters, reveals the power behind the simple phrase that perfect love casts out fear. So the Thomas story is not so much an episode from long ago and far away that I can choose to believe or not, and so affirm or not that the Nicene Creed doctrines are true or not, and we're about to read the Nicene Creed. John's Gospel offers a pathway into grasping the presence of God's full and complete or perfect love in this life in a way that empowers the casting out of fear, even the radical and dramatic fears that plague modern people. Now, of course, an effort of a lifetime is needed to explore the fullness of the path in John's Gospel. 
But today, there is time for a few insights for delving more deeply into this message. A message that is both completely familiar, who hasn't heard that phrase before, yet always in need of rediscovery. For example, for most of my adult career, I have worked as an attorney, as well as a priest, for the poorest of the poor in Washington, D.C. Sometimes I worked for women struggling to survive and raise families on welfare and food stamps. Once, when doing Bible study with a small group of the women, I asked how they were able to get along. How did they survive amidst all of the hardships of their lives? One woman's son, for example, had recently been sent to prison for killing another man in a drug deal that had gone bad. She said to me simply in the Bible study group, well, Lynn, don't you know, perfect love casts out fear. She had taken into her heart what the gospel was talking about and was passing that comprehension on to me and to the friends in the group. Crucial to John's teaching is that fear and love are more than feelings that come up from time to time. John's gospel seeks to draw his readers into a new way of understanding who and what it means really to be a human being. What does it mean to be a human being? This new way of understanding is that all who know Christ deep within themselves have the power to live out the reality of their being children of God. Again, a familiar phrase. But what does that phrase, being a child of God, mean? And of course, this is Children's Sunday. The view of someone being a son of God did not seem so new and unique in ancient Rome and in ancient Greek, in that culture, and that at the time John was writing. For many decades, starting at the, around the time of Jesus, Roman emperors took to proclaiming themselves son of one or another of the Roman gods. And these Roman emperors were themselves following the examples appearing in the Greek and Roman classic epic poems, poems such as the Iliad and the Odyssey, where heroes are sometimes described to be the children of one or another of the gods. John and St. Paul and the other early Christians came to the profound insight that Jesus was the son of God, the father, the transcendent God of the Hebrew scriptures. But then John and the others took this insight a step further with the realization that the followers of Jesus are also empowered to become children of God the Father. It was a transformative insight. 2,000 years later, after that insight first happened, it's hard for us modern people to understand how radical and new it was. John's gospel message is that every new Christian, every new generation of Christians, needs to rediscover and take in this insight for themselves. In putting his gospel together, John realized that when the Holy Spirit addresses Jesus in the first chapter of John's gospel, 
When the Holy Spirit addresses Jesus as the beloved Son of God in the baptism, that recognition carries over to the followers of Jesus as well. And John says that later in the first chapter of the Gospel. That same power that Jesus has as the Son of God is embedded within each of his followers as well. As the followers come to know themselves as children of God, they also come to know that love of God that is so deep and so holy that fear no longer has any power over them. Think about what this completely familiar term, you are a child of God, really means. And Christians have been exploring the depth of this insight for centuries. Each new time of life gives another chance for a person to rediscover and explore its meaning. But here are some thoughts. First, being created and being created and loved by God is indelible. It is at the heart of a person's true self. It is like biological DNA, except it's spiritual DNA. Nothing can make it go away. Second, we are part of a community of children of God, part of the body of Christ, able to recognize the Christ within other children of God. It takes one to know one, so to speak. Third, a child of God is able to cast out his or her fear by holding fast to the power of that love created within them by God's continuing holy presence. John centers Jesus' message in the gospel with the following words found in the 17th chapter. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples, and he says, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. John makes this point over and over again in the Gospel, how Jesus abides in the Father, but his, fo but his followers, including Thomas, also abide in Jesus. Thomas finally sees that connection when he touches Jesus and loses his fear in our passage, gospel passage for today. So Jesus does not offer this morning solutions to the issues, big and little, that often generate fear and doubt and anxiety. Instead, Jesus reveals to the followers the power to find those solutions by employing hearts and minds nourished by love, not paralyzed by fear. You and I will go about our daily business after church today, wondering perhaps how we are ever going to deal with all the fears and anxieties and sometimes terrors that pop up along the way during the day, moment by moment. John would respond, Feel Jesus' divine presence dwelling deeply in your hearts. Feel that presence. The love already abides there. Then, go about life's daily activities, always staying rooted and grounded in God's perfect love. 
God's eternity of divine love. In Jesus' name.